I, I have the distinct privilege of uh, introducing our guest speaker this morning, which is Tristan Starbird. And many of you know Tristan from Camp Fairhaven, but I'll just uh, I'll give a brief introduction. If you don't know his his history, he has a degree in business administration and management from UMA, and then he got a, a master's in Christian leadership at Liberty University. He is uh, fond of playing and coaching basketball and golf, and uh, we knew him as the executive director of Fairhaven for seven years, and uh, many of you have attended or been involved in one way or another in Camp Fairhaven. Uh, we were sad to hear he was leaving Fairhaven, but he's found a new home with the Christian Civic League, or specifically the Christian Education League uh, of the Civic League in Maine, and Tristan will explain the relationship of, of, of those, but he's involved in community outreach and especially working with churches to better serve the community. So we are excited to have Tristan with us this morning um, and excited to hear about this new work and ministry that he's involved in. And so would you, uh, would you welcome Tristan to, as he comes to speak the word of God to us this morning. Thank you, Dan. Uh, good orientation on the remote. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get that to work. Let's see. Do I have to turn it on? So I hit the black and then. Uh... Okay, perfect. Forward, backward. All right, awesome. And uh, also going to set my timer because uh, I have like. Five days worth of information I want to share with you in about 30 minutes. So uh, if I don't set a timer, we're going to be here for about five days. Uh, so bear with me. And uh, I just got to say, it's great to be back at Chestnut Street Baptist Church. I have the privilege of speaking here every once in a while. Uh, when I was with Fairhaven Camps, I had the honor to be here uh, many times and and I am so grateful for this church, uh, the big C, right, but the people in it, uh, you guys, amazing uh, partners of Fairhaven Camps. And when I was there for seven years, uh, and I've shared maybe this story in part before, and maybe Pastor Adam has too, but there was one good Friday morning that I was in the car checking the mail, and I was at my wit's end. We, we had a big project that needed to be funded and completed before camp was to begin. And Good Friday happened to be at the end of April that year. And we needed to raise a lot of money in a short amount of time for a dock project. And the entire camp needed new docks. And we had raised enough seed money the year before to secure the pricing and everything, you know, good salesmen that we had. And uh, But we needed to finish paying for it before we were able to get the materials on site and get the project done. And if you know anything about camp and volunteers and all these things, you need to have the materials there ready to go for when the crew arrives. And the crew was going to be arriving, and we were not ready because we needed to buy the rest of the materials. And I remember praying and asking the Lord, I have no idea why you gave me this to do for a project that's too big for us to do. And I opened up the mail, 
and there was a check for the remaining amount to finish paying for the materials from Chestnut Street Baptist Church. And you probably don't know how much money that was. And it's not important, but it was a lot. All right? And on Friday morning, it wasn't possible. And Friday afternoon, I made the call and said, Lord, thank you. Uh, and now i got to go buy materials. So, thank you. Thank you. That means that the people in the church are alive and active. That is important for a church. It's important for Pastor Adam because he's up here Sunday in, Sunday out, and you've worn him out. He needs a break. I get it. But he feeds off of your energy and your involvement and your activity. Great presentation by the Sunday School. Are you the commissioner, the leader, director? President. Listen, she didn't say it. I'm going to say it. You need to step up more people to work in the children's ministry. It has to happen. Amen? The children are the next generation of those that are going to lead this country. They're going to lead this church. They're going to lead their household someday. If I'd have known that at eight years old, I would have said, no way. No way. I'm not ready for that. It ain't going to happen. And I love children. I was the executive director of Fairhaven Camps. There isn't a better job in the world when you love children. To share the gospel with children. To see them respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. There just isn't. And it cannot be done without people like you supporting that ministry. And I say all that to say that I'm in a new space. Because the Lord said, you done good boy. Now it's time to come up here. We, we love to hear, not to discount the ministry of the camp, because that was incredibly difficult and physically challenging. I've actually uh, changed my body composition uh, just a little bit since January to now, um, because I'm not cutting and splitting and stacking wood, and uh, I'm not feeding the boiler, and I'm not plowing, and I'm not doing those things. But the Lord said, hey, we need you here. And how are you going to respond? And I want to share with you this morning that this is not something that I wanted to do. This is not something that I want to do. But it's something that the Lord has called me to do. And because I am here for Him. It's a wonderful song. You've got to give your praise team some praise. They set up the song. like It was like they threw me a lob so I could hit it out of the park like Mike Trout. Right? The song set up the message today better than you could even imagine. And if we go back and read the lyrics, you would see that it's all about the heart. Where are you at? Where are you at? Where am I at with the Lord Jesus Christ? The King. And so you've had a series of how the gospel works. And unfortunately, we've come to the place where the gospel works on the government. He's going to talk about politics. I know. I don't want to do this. Okay? So, if anything, today, do not be offended. Alright? This is not for you to be offended. It's very easy to hear things about the government, politics. You're like, you know what? I don't believe that. I don't stand that way. Forget it. I'm out of here. we got to pause. We have to pause and ask the Lord to test these things in the fire of the gospel. 
and then speak to our heart about it. And that's what we need to do as citizens of heaven, not of citizens of the United States of America. And so does the gospel even play a role in government? And unfortunately, I'm here to share with you, it does. And also, thank you for whoever put the outline, Kevin, in the bulletin. I usually use it as a guide. Uh, and today, I will stick right to it. <laughs> Romans 13, 4 through, uh, 4 through 7. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring judgment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. What has the Lord placed on your heart? This is also why you pay taxes. 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 For the authorities are God's servant who give their full time to governing. The gospel speaks to government. And when you pay your property taxes, and when you pay your taxes in April, you're being obedient to what the Lord would have for you. Now, how can the government function without God? Just look around. That's how it functions, without God. The church needs to step up. The big C. Not Chestnut Street Baptist Church. You're one of many. And I love the fact this morning that we prayed for the Anchor Church. I was there last Sunday. They prayed for you last Sunday. Couldn't believe it. The church needs to be the agent of unity. And how can the government function without it? We really need to step up and take our rightful place. First Peter 2, 11 through 14. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. I'm going to start at verse 13. To every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. This is a big one. If the government's purpose is to punish evil and reward good, how can it do its job without the church sharing the gospel that defines good and evil? This is tough. It's tough to do. But we need to do it. And we know the model of sharing the gospel is not necessarily on Sunday mornings sharing with a big group of people at church. Unfortunately, inconveniently, and intentionally, the gospel needs to be shared directly. One-on-one. One-on-two. Two-on-one. Think of it like a fast break. You heard the, the intro. I can't get out of my head. The, we need to disciple people to the Lord. But we cannot do that unless our affairs are in order. We need to have that relationship with the Lord. For me, it started at a young age, seven years old. And 
I mean, I love my parents. They're amazing people, and they did the best they could. My dad grew up Catholic and angry, okay? My mom was an addict and almost died because she was beaten so badly by her first husband. And along comes my brother and I, right? And I'm four years old where I started to go to church because somebody at the church helped my dad put a roof on the house. I said, hey, do you know who Jesus is? So he didn't make a huge appointment. He didn't say, you know what, I can only do it on Tuesdays and Thursdays. This faithful servant, just a bystander at church, living for the Lord, saw my dad on the roof and thought, I can help him finish his roof. I'm sure the goal wasn't to share the gospel of who Jesus is. The goal was to just help him finish the roof. And if you know my dad, he is a meticulous machinist, but he is not a carpenter. He needed all the help he could get. And so that hot summer day, Mark Wood was faithful enough to share who Jesus was to him. And my dad knew everything there could, he could know about Jesus, right? But he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And on that roof, he committed his life to the Lord. And he came downstairs and he said, Jill, what are we doing? We're going to church on Sunday. Poland Baptist Church. And she committed her life to the Lord. So I started going to Sunday school. Sunday school is important. The first day of Sunday school. I will never forget it. I can't remember much after that, but I will never forget this. The pastor's son, I was four years old, dropped the, the, the sweeper without a motor. The carpet sweeper without a motor. You know what I'm talking about. We only use them for Cheerios. Fell on my head. I started to cry. This was like my earliest memory. And, and like I said, I don't remember much after that. But at seven, I go to summer camp and meet the Lord. And that changed my life trajectory forever. So I don't know where it was in your life where you met the Lord. But we need to declare who we're going to serve. We cannot be a Christian and not serve the Lord. And then we cannot be a Christian and not share who Jesus is with others. That is what we're building this whole premise of the Christian Civic League, Barry Haven Camps, all of that is built on knowing who Jesus is personally and sharing it with others. And so we need to understand that if the government's purpose is to punish evil and reward good, how can it do its job without sharing the gospel that defines good and evil? I don't know what's in your life preventing you from do that, from doing that. And, and there are things, plenty of things in my life that prevent me from doing it. Uh, but Jonah, after corrected by the Lord, See, he needed a little help to get there. Jonah was a prophet. And the Lord said, I need you to go to the king of Nineveh and you need to just speak the truth. I'm going to destroy Nineveh if they don't get it together. That's a paraphrase. Jonah 3, 6 through 10. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, 
He rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Jonah was finally obedient. He was worried about all the reasons why he wasn't going to be accepted or being able to even get the meeting with the king. And what he didn't realize was that the God of heaven, the creator, the king of kings, was the sender. And if we realize that and just have faith that he's going to take care of it, it doesn't make it any easier. But it does allow us to be obedient a little quicker. I'm going to fast forward to verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Jonah was a faithful servant going to the king. He was not willing in the beginning. Does that describe you? It describes me. Hey, Tristan. Need you to leave camp. Nope, not doing that. Got a lot of stuff I built up here. Got a lot of people supporting camp. Got a lot of relationships we've done here. I feel like I own it. The Lord said, you don't own it. You don't own it. You're just taking care of it for me. It's time for you to go here. So that was two years ago. And I had two really difficult summers. And the last summer I was there, physically, a wreck. I'm in great shape. And then all of a sudden, a wreck. Why? Because I don't want to go. Had more conversation. Talked to the board. Talked to people close to camp. Like, oh man, you gotta stay. You gotta stay. And then every once in a while, I talked to somebody that clearly the Lord had brought to him and said, hey, no, actually, it's time for you to go. I'm like, oh, no. Where am I going to go? Two years ago, I get sent down to a conference to learn how to speak and raise money for camp. And I meet this guy named Carol Conley. And some of you guys might have known him. I should have met Carol years ago. But we had to meet in Florida. And he said, hey, you know, you really ought to come and work for the Christian Civic League. We need help. We need your kind of help. I'm like, what does that mean? What are you even talking about? I think you're doing fine. You guys post on Facebook ten times a day. What do you want me to do? That I just need to be you. You be you. Listen to the Lord. And he'll figure it out. And that was two years ago. And I thought, I'm not interested. I don't think so. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Stuff. Stuff to be obedient. But I say that to say, when we are obedient, when we are able to step out of our comfort zone, like Jonah did, and share with the king, very specifically, here's the issue. Here are the problems. The Lord is going to destroy you if you do not correct yourself. To do its job successfully. The government needs the church to use the gospel to fulfill the proper role of spiritual guide and counselor. See, the gospel provides the guardrail. And we need to share it. Not just within the church walls, 
but outside the walls. In my role in the Christian Education League, I'll talk about it in a minute, I get to meet with legislators, bring pastors to the Capitol, and we share who Jesus is. It doesn't happen as easy as that. I really made it sound easy. But we need to start with a foundation of prayer and praying for those that are in authority and honor them. Give them their proper place. The Lord has appointed them. Romans 13, 9, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. And do this. Understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The hour is now. The day is today. We cannot wait any longer to be bold in our faith and share who Jesus is. And it might start with just somebody working on the roof, your neighbor, and you offer your help and let the Lord intervene and pray that he'll intervene. It's just like coming up to speak today. I don't want to say anything out of turn from what the Lord would have me say. This is not the Tristan Starbird show. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and speaking to me. We shouldn't be going to church because it's where we get guilt-driven. Right? There's a lot of pleas at church. Turn from your sin. Right? But it's because of grace that we go to church. And that same grace needs to be shared with our neighbor. And if we truly do love our neighbor as ourselves, first and foremost, those conversations, those difficult topics can be dealt with if we funnel them through the gospel. Amen? You with me? So the Christian Civic League of Maine, I now represent them. They were around a long time ago, over 100 years. They've been bringing biblical perspective to public policy. Now, there are human beings that work in the Christian Civic League of Maine. I preface that by saying, we are sinners. Okay? And we don't always get it right. But to the best of our ability, we are going to look at what's happening in the public and private sectors and politics and government and filter it down through a biblical, gospel-focused lens so that when the church calls us and has questions about this or that, we can say, we've done the research. This is what we're pretty sure the Bible says about this or doesn't say. And you decide. We're not going to tell you one way or another. You decide. Because the Lord places things in certain emphasis, in certain people, in different times, in different ways. And that is not for us to control. But it's for you to understand that we are not perfect. But there is a responsibility that each person in our organization has. There's five of us that are on paid staff. It feels like there are a million because we have people who volunteer and help us from all over the state and all over the country. But there are five paid staff, and everything we do, we do to bring glory to God and bring that biblical perspective. 
And I got to tell you, I don't want to do it. I want to be at camp, sitting in a golf cart, looking at the counselor saying, hey, pull your pants up, be a good example, get back to work. Right? That's what I want to do. Right? No, but the Lord has called me to be bold and have a backbone. And I have to pray every day to have a backbone. I have four children at home watching everything and listening to everything I say and do. And I want to make sure that they are prepared for what lies ahead for them. And so I bring that into work. I bring that into life and ministry. And it's because we serve a living God that cares about every little area of our life. So I say that to say, today and this week coming for the Christian Civic League is kind of a big week. And I want to speak to a few things that we are working on right now. Very rarely does a speaker get to come to a church and say all these things and say, now what are you going to do about it? And then, oh, by the way, you actually can do something about it today at 12.15 after church. Miss Connie Overlock set up a nice, uh, you know, there's some refreshments. And uh, Miss Chris is collecting signatures. Uh, but here we go. LD1313. These are bills that have already been signed into law that you need to know about. They were brought forth in the spring, signed into law by the governor. And we have an opportunity in the state of Maine because we have... Everything's set up the way it is. If we don't like something, we can do petitions and a people's veto. And that, if we make it, can be on the referendum for a vote for the whole state instead of just our legislators writing up laws and voting on them. So it's a long shot. So to give you a background, the people's veto right now, there is a ton of people's vetoes that are active. There's, like, I think, 14 or 15. Uh, we're going to focus on two in the service, but there are three really that we're representing today. And one of them is an act to enact the Death with Dignity Act. And in the papers, they're calling it Death with Dignity. And the summary is behind me, and the concerns of the Christian Civic League are written up there. You can go to cclmain.org and see for yourself how we vetted this through the gospel. But we just don't support anything that promotes death. Because we serve a living God who created life. And so the next bill is just like it. LDA 20. An act to prevent discrimination in public and private insurance coverage for pregnant women in Maine. It sounds like you would want to prevent that discrimination until you read the bill. And it is your tax dollars and my tax dollars that we have to pay very clearly to fund abortion. And this is what got me over the edge to join the Christian Civic League. Not this bill in particular, but abortion in general. When I go home and I, after reading the news, because you have to know what's going on, and it's tough to find what's real and what isn't, right? But you just got to read a lot, so you try to figure it out, and then you ask the Lord to interpret it for you. But don't mess around with abortion, because that's killing a child. Right? And so, I love children. I spent my whole last seven years serving children. And I was complaining to my wife, like, why are we doing that as a nation? And she would go, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. I can't believe it. And I'd pray to the Lord, Lord, fix this. This is awful. And he said, hey, why don't you do something about it? 
because I don't want to. It's going to be sticky and icky. And I'm going to have to have difficult conversations. And I'm going to have to get my mind and heart right every day so that I can speak intelligently about these things and just pray that the Lord would go before me and interpret on my behalf. So I don't know what it is that would get you to that place where you're going to be involved. I just don't know. That was it for me. And I can tell you, I didn't want to do it. I've told you that a hundred times already. But I have to do it. This other one we're collecting signatures for, they're helping us to do it. We're helping them. Uh, It's not in the Bible. LD-798. It's it's mandated vaccines is really what it is. And it's going to prevent your child from going to public or private school, public or private college, daycare, different things, unless they follow the vaccine schedule that's listed in the bill. The vaccine schedule listed in the bill includes some vaccines that you might not want your children to have. We vaccinate our children, absolutely. But there are a couple in there that I don't want them to have. And now I feel like I'm being pushed into a corner. And I don't like that. And I don't know if you like that, but I don't like that. And there are exemptions that are being removed that used to be in place for those with religious affiliation. And so they're going to remove that and you're going to have to do it. So we're collecting signatures for those three bills today downstairs. So you have an opportunity to sign. And there are wonderful people there collecting for you. But that is your choice. The church is not endorsing or sponsoring this. The tax for me coming is that they had to play by my rules. No, that's not true. I asked. It's okay. Again, don't be offended. But I'm really working for the Christian Education League. So the Civic League is a 501c4 political lobbying, doing all these things in the legislature. But the Christian Education League of Maine is really about equipping the church. It's 501c3, and I'm the director of it. And we are getting out to build relationships with the local church. The Lord basically gave all the fun things that I like to do at camp and put them in this role for me at the Christian Education League. I like meeting with people. I love talking to pastors. I really like making a difference, getting people to know the Lord through certain different events and areas. And so the Education League was formed in 1950 to equip the church. Equip the church about what's happening in the legislature. We come up with like a voter guide and and a report card for what our legislators did, but more importantly, equip the church for acts of service to the community. It's really fun. I was able to launch a vocational ministry at the Centerpoint Community Church in Waterville. Vocational ministry is short or long for getting folks back to work, off of government assistance, off of the benevolence gift that the church needs to provide sometimes, and into a place of independence where they can provide for themselves. And the Lord has honored that. The first fair we did, we had over 20 employers. We had 40 volunteers from the local churches. And we saw 75 people uh, come to the fair. We had 10 hired on the spot. And we had 20 future interviews scheduled. It blew our expectations away. These two stories, pretty neat to see these guys 
get hired on the spot at the fair. They needed work. I'm out of time. They needed work. And the Lord provided a way for the church to be there and intercede on their behalf. So we're doing that. And then we're also recruiting pastors to come to the Capitol. So our next job fair is coming October 10th at the Faith Church in Waterville. We've got launch and learn scheduled all over the state to try to get more churches involved and excited about this. It's been pretty amazing to watch him work. The Church Ambassador Network, another initiative I'm working on. This is a pastor from Iowa. Makes it a habit to go to the Capitol and pray for his legislators every month. And we want to build that network in Maine so that we can build those relationships. Hoping that it will open the door for the Gospel. And so the Gospel works in the government. We need to submit to those in authority Pray for those in authority and honor those in authority. And it works when we're doing lobbying work. And it works when we're doing outreach work. And it works when we're talking about it. And it works because the Lord is in it. I want to read these three scriptures and then uh, we'll, we'll dismiss. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. And the authorities that exist have been established by God, and consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on yourselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but those who do wrong. And do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. First Timothy 2, 1-3, I urge you then to pray, Pray first of all that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for the kings and all those in authority, that they may live peaceably and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior. And finally, we need to honor. We need to honor those in authority. It's Governor Mills. It's not Janet. Right? We need to honor. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. We need to remember that the gospel works. So I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we're all in. This is the, my family, photo at the cross, at camp. They were devastated when we decided to go and serve as the Christian Civic League of Maine. What are you doing? Dad, does that mean I'm not going to go to camp every day? Yes. My daughter was speechless. So speechless, I couldn't understand a word she said. Because she was crying so much. And I said, that's okay, honey. I will get you a puppy. <laughs> I'm just sharing with you. I'm telling you. I don't understand what the Lord is doing here. But, I am going to say yes to Him when He says go. And I want you to do the same. If He is on your heart, and... Just tapping on your shoulder lightly enough for you to flick them away. I would encourage you to pray through that and pray that the Lord would show you and reveal to you just what your next step is. You don't want to know what the end looks like. Just what the next step is. And so today you have an opportunity to respond. We have those petitions downstairs. I'm going to be down there with Chris and Connie and 
this is costing a lot of money to do this people's veto. $120,000 of unplanned expense. We've raised about 85000 towards it. So there's a need there. There's also a need for the Christian Education League to gain new partners to say, yes, we believe in what you're doing. Let's go. Christian Civic League took a huge leap of faith by bringing me on, and I took a huge leap of faith by signing on. And now we're saying, Lord, we trust in you. Increase our faith. i got to get to work. So I want to close in prayer, but challenge you. You have an opportunity to do something about it today. God in heaven, we just thank you. We thank you first and foremost that you are the creator of the universe. And that in your infinite wisdom, you chose to work with us. And we don't understand it. Because our wisdom says we probably can't handle what you have for us. A lot of prophets who've gone before us have said, yes, Lord, send him. Yes, Lord, uh, maybe not. And so, Lord, we just pray for submission. We pray for obedience. We pray for surrender, as the song that we sang earlier says. And, Lord, we put our faith and our hope and our trust in you and the power of the gospel that you have left for us, the living, breathing word. And that you would transform the lives of those that we come in contact with at the same time that we are being sanctified. And Lord, we are not perfect. But Lord, we're trying. And I just pray you give us strength to take that next step. Lord, give us a backbone when we need it. Give us grace when we need it. Give us love when we need it. And Lord, we love you. I thank you for Chestnut Street Baptist Church and all the people here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.